0: Our scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Please stand for the reading of scripture. We'll read verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believe. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave your son to die for our sins. And rise again on the third day for us. We thank you that it was your plan set forth in your word from before the foundation of the world. We pray that by the power of your spirit you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. that We would see our risen Lord high and lifted up and that he would draw all men to himself. We pray that we would receive this good news today in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, for his glory, amen. Be seated, please. The gospel. Paul says in verse 1, I would remind you of the gospel I preached And then he states what the gospel is. What is it? What is the gospel? The word is overused. We have gospel everything. Gospel music. Gospel truth. What does gospel mean? The word has become religious jargon. A church word, gospel, but could you define it in plain English? Now, we'll only look at the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15 today, but in this passage, the Apostle Paul defines the gospel. And as he defines it, he goes on for some 56 verses to discuss The resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, everywhere in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul uses the word gospel, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And so we are here today because Jesus rose from the dead. Thus we are here today because of the gospel. In this passage, Paul tells us what it is. Now let's look at it. First, in this passage, you see the necessity of the gospel. Look at verse 1. Now I'd remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says that it is the gospel by which you are being saved. The gospel saves you. He says it saves you if you hold fast to the word. What word? Or we to hold fast to. In verse one, Paul says, "The gospel I preached to you. The word." which we must hold to in order to be saved is the gospel. We are saved if and only if we hold to the gospel. I have a cap, cap that is some older than I am. The cap says Belvedere Farmers Exchange. Uh, You can tell by the material it's made out of, by the print on the the cap, that uh, it's 30-some, 40 years old. That cap belonged to my great-uncle. It belonged, uh, I believe, before that, to my great-grandfather, who uh, farmed in northeastern North North Carolina, Perquimans County, where the... community of Belvedere is, the Belvedere Farmers Exchange, and when my granddaddy passed, I got that cap. I'm proud of it. I like to wear it. It uh, has some foam liner in it that's largely disintegrated. I get a little bit on what hair I have left every time I wear it. But you know, twice in my life, some people who thought they were doing me a favor threw that cap away. Some years ago, at the Collar Creek Church where I interned as a seminary student, I went to work at a barbecue. It was in November. I was cold that day. I walked across the, from the house I lived in to the church. I had the cap on. I took it off, and I hid it. I thought I had hidden it in a drawer, in a fellowship hall that nobody would look into. I want to tell you something. If you think you can hide anything anywhere in the church, you are deceived. People poke through everything in the church. Nothing is safe. At the end of the day, now we cooked we cook about 4,000 pounds of barbecue at the Cottle Creek Church. And because this barbecue was so huge, they had this gigantic dumpster dropped off. And we'd just fill it up, and then they'd come get the dumpster, carry it away. Well on that day after we got done and had cleaned up the fellowship hall thousands of people had been through to eat that day I went to my drawer and my cap was gone. I made some inquiries and I found out that a certain delegation of the women of the church uh, happened to be in that drawer that day and decided it would be in the best interest of the beautification of the premises to throw that thing away. And I recruited two people and we... The three of us went dumpster diving and got my cat back. And then some years later, a, a big life change came into my life and a person. I won't say who she was, but, but she, she came to, uh, uh, she came to uh, live in the house. Uh, and it was all above board. Uh, and uh, one day I went to looking for my cap, and it was gone again. And this person who shall remain nameless thought that it would be in our best interest to get rid of that thing. And again, I didn't have to go dumpster diving, but I hadn't hauled my trash off to the trash pile yet, and I tore through it, and I found my cap. I have it to this day. Some of you may have seen me when I had it on. But you know, uh, if the next person who attempts this mischief is successful and I can't retrieve it, I'll be alright. I'll be angry for a while but I'll get over it if I lose that cap. But if you throw out the gospel, you will go to hell. Paul says three things about the necessity of the gospel he preached to the people. He says, first of all, that they received it. In verse 1, he says, you received the gospel. They didn't just hear it. They didn't just know what he had said. They received it. They owned it. You know, Paul said to the church in Thessalonica that the gospel came to them not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And he said when they received the gospel, they turned from the idols they had worshipped all their lives to serve the living and true God. You have to receive the gospel. Secondly, he says that they stand in the gospel. He says in which you stand, they took a stand. And sometimes the the scripture says that we stand on the gospel or on the truth or on the solid rock. But notice here in verse 1 it says that we stand in the gospel. Took a stand, they were committed, but they were in it, they were immersed in it. And thirdly, he says that they're being saved by the gospel. He says they're being saved by the gospel if they hold fast to it in verse 2. You notice he says in the present tense. He doesn't say you were saved by the gospel. It's not something that you believed once and then moved on with your life. No, he says you are being saved always in the present by the gospel gospel is always saving those who believe it even in heaven even in eternity when everything's right still we're being saved by the gospel now you notice at the very end of verse 2 he says that if you do not hold fast to it if you give up you have believed in vain your faith was worthless It did not save you. Paul is not saying that a true Christian can stop holding on to the gospel and become lost. He's saying that a faith that quits holding on to the gospel is not a true faith. A true believer never stops believing the gospel because he never loses his sense of how much he needs to believe the gospel. You see the necessity of the gospel. Second in this passage, you see the subject of the gospel. Look at verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture, that he appeared to Cephas, then of the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Do you see the subject of the gospel? Christ died. He was buried. He was raised. He appeared. He appeared. He appeared. He appeared. Appeared. The subject of every statement is Jesus, and Jesus alone. You see the balance. On one hand, you and I must hold on to the gospel. But on the other hand, what we must hold on to is someone else, who he is, what he has done. When I was a student at Appalachian State University, one of the student ministries uh, arranged an event uh, to an evangelistic event to try to reach people with the gospel. And uh, what they did uh, was they they selected a, a person who would who would share testimony. And everyone involved with that ministry, they had t shirts made. They all wore them, and the t shirt said, I agree with. So-and-so had the person's name. That's all the T-shirt said. It generated a lot of interest, a lot of questions. The goal was there were about 10,000 students there at that time. It's more than double that size now. But the goal was to generate as much curiosity about what does it mean I agree with so-and-so on these shirts. Everybody would show up at a set time, at a set place, and then the person whose name was on the shirt would give his testimony. The goal was to, to get the gospel out to as many people as they could. It seemed like a good idea. I talked to a friend who was. I was not able to go to the event, uh, but I talked to a friend who did. I said, "How did it go?" And, and said, uh, "Well, it wasn't very good." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, he didn't. He never talked about. He never actually shared the gospel. He didn't talk about Jesus." I said, well, "What did he do?" He said, "Well, he said that um, as a child he'd been awkward and 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 he would always not been a very." Uh, person of great social uh, status. He he wasn't cool. Growing up and and then after he uh, became a Christian, uh, he was able to deal with rejection better. That's basically all he said. He had more self-esteem now. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not, I can feel better about myself. You can be a better student. You can be a better parent. The gospel is not you can get cleaned up. That's good. We need all those things. But the gospel is all about Jesus. I need to have my sins forgiven. But the fact that my sins can be or are forgiven is not the gospel. To say to someone, you can have all your sins forgiven. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died for my sins. The gospel is who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus alone. You see the necessity of the gospel. You see the subject of the gospel. Thirdly, you see the outline of the gospel. Uh, Look at the middle of verse 3. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared. And many different gospel outlines, many of us have learned outlines of the gospel message to be able to share it with someone. And all the different gospel outlines are, are all trying to get the same message across. Some better than others, but they're all I believe well-intentioned for the most part. Uh, some of you may have memorized the, the four spiritual laws if you were ever involved with uh, Bill Bright's organization. Or uh, there's the Roman Road. Uh, some of us may have learned the... I learned the evangelism explosion outline. And then there's the, the one, you know, the bridge to life where you've got me and, and God and a big gap between us and the cross comes in. The bridge, and that's the bridge. To life to get back to God. These are fine. But this one in 1 Corinthians 15 is the official gospel outline. It's in the original textbook. It's a four point outline. This is the gospel. You want to memorize the outline of the gospel. Here it is Christ died for our sins, He was buried, He was raised. And he appeared to many witnesses. The outline consists, you see, of two alternating facts and proofs. Jesus died for our sins. That's a fact. His burial attests that he had really died. Jesus rose the third day. That's a fact. His appearances verify his resurrection. Now, these are the facts. First, Jesus died for our sins. You notice it says that he died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. There's numerous references to that. It's talking about he died. The Old Testament said he would do it. Now, there's numerous references in the Old Testament to the death of Jesus, but chiefly, he died for our sins in accordance with Isaiah chapter 53. Let me read this. Surely, he has borne our grief, Six hundred years before Jesus died, this is what it said. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid our sin on Jesus and then poured out on him in his death on the cross the punishment that brought us peace. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. If you think about it, it's only explanation of the death of Jesus that makes any sense. That he died as my substitute, my representative with my sin held against him. Otherwise, his death didn't do me any good. Then point two, the grave validates that he really died and that he really died for me. Then point three, he was raised. He was literally physically raised. That means a lot for us, but I want to point out two things first. That proves His sacrifice was good enough for me. It was accepted, and God declared it and vindicated Him by raising Him from the dead. Second, it means that I will be fixed. In 1 Corinthians 15, look down at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. As he was raised, I will be raised physically and literally. Yes, when I die, my spirit will go to heaven, but that's not the resurrection. And sometimes, a funeral service, you hear preachers say, uh, Well, now that so and so has died and gone to heaven, he has a resurrection body. Yes, yeah, that's wrong. He died. He gone to heaven. His spirit is perfect. His spirit's happy and joined the presence of God. But he didn't have a resurrection body yet. His body will not be raised till the last day, when it really comes up out of the grave. And then once again, you'd see in verse four it says he was raised according to the scripture. You know, it's interesting. Last week we saw in. In John 12, that Jesus said he would be lifted up to die. The Jews couldn't understand when Jesus told them he was going to die. And in John 12, 34, they said, We have heard from the law of Moses, that's the Old Testament scripture, that Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? How, how's he going to die? The Old Testament says he's going to live forever. Some of the Jews... Understood the Old Testament well enough to understand that Jesus, that the Messiah, would live forever, but they couldn't understand how he could live forever if he died. But we do. And in point four, he appeared. His appearances prove his resurrection. He appeared to Peter, to the twelve, over five hundred, to James, and all the apostles, and finally to to Paul himself. And he says, he's saying a lot of them are still alive. You can ask them yourself. thing you have to reckon with is that hundreds and hundreds of people claimed they saw Jesus alive after he died. People who wanted him dead claimed they saw him alive. Look at verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he, uh, born, he appeared also to me. Paul, Saul at that time believed Jesus was an impostor. He was trying to stop Christianity from spreading. And then one day he met the man, Jesus Christ, alive, whom he believed was dead. We'll we'll get back to that in a bit. You see the outline of the gospel. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was raised. Jesus appeared. You know the word gospel literally means good news, and this is why. Is good news is because it's all about what someone else did not what we do so you see the necessity of the gospel the subject of the gospel the outline of the gospel and fourthly and finally you see the effects of the gospel look at verse 8 last of all as to one untimely born he appeared also to me I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. John Calvin said that we must understand that as long as Jesus Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. The gospel is about who Jesus is and what he has done, but the gospel does you no good as long as you and Jesus are outside of each other it is possible that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are useless to you. There was a time when the death and resurrection of Jesus was useless and worthless to Paul. Back when he was Saul of Tarsus, he persecuted the church of God. He hated Jesus. He was outside, separated from Jesus. He was lost. He had approved the killing of a Christian and was on his way up to Damascus to attack more Christians. But then, on the way, he received Jesus personally. He met the risen Christ and he changed him and Saul became Paul. The persecutor became the persecuted. The hunter Became the hunted. And look what happened when he received Jesus Christ. Verse 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary. I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. By the grace of God Paul says I worked hard. His life was completely and thoroughly changed. He gave himself and ultimately gave his life for the very message he had once tried to destroy. Paul wasn't raised in a Christian home going to Sunday school. He was a strict and zealous Jew. He believed it was all a hoax. Jesus didn't really die and rise. These people who say he is are dangerous. And then he met him standing in front of him on the road. And he could not deny it any longer. It was true. And his life had to change. If the gospel is true, we must receive it. We must stand in it. We must hold fast to it. We must believe it. If. Jesus really died for our sins and rose from the dead. We must receive him. Is he in you? Are you in him? Or is all of this useless and worthless to you? It doesn't have to be. Believe it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.